Welcome to Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again, joined by Angel. In this episode, we are exploring a strange occurrence of a seemingly eternal fire underneath a town, a town in which people still live. I know you constantly work the phrase, diamonds are forever into your daily life, Angel, as it is your favorite James Bond movie. And now, apparently, fire is forever, too. However, before we find ourselves in the proverbial hot seat, we need to find out what this episode's set of goals are. These goals, of course, are intended to make both of us better people for the coming year. And maybe at some point, we'll look back at this episode and say to ourselves, this was finally the day that occurred. What is your first goal for me this episode, Angel? Well, Matt. Idiot slob selves can only. You're calling me, call me an idiot. <laughs> Matt, you idiots. <laughs> idiot slob selves can only shed their idiot slob skins by embodying the mother of all idiot slobs. Remember growing up and watching cartoons? I know your favorite was Sonic the Hedgehog, voiced by Jaleel White. <laughs> but. <laughs> mm-hmm. but also, you enjoyed the Animaniacs, particularly Pinky and the Brain. That's right, Matt. For this goal, you must embody Pinky, the dim-witted sidekick to Brain, the brains of the operation. You will, at random, end your sentences with Pinky's trademark verbal tics such as Zort, Traz, Nerf, and Point. Zort. What were they? Zort? Nerf? Zort? Traz? Nerf? Traz? <laughs> Nerf? And Point? Point? <laughs> what? What did Sonic have to do? <laughs> I got these chili dogs ready for nothing. Is that it? Yes. <laughs> so I have to, I have to, I have to add that to randomly to my senses. Yes. I was very anxious the whole way through that one. I just had to bring up Jaleel White. <laughs> of course. This time around, Angel, I found inspiration for your goals from a most curious source. You see, I received a fortune from a fortune cookie. I read it, it gave me pause. At first I hated it because it was one of those fortunes that you know aren't a fortune, it's just a sentence that may or may not have some vague meaning. The fortune read, the only place left in this world to explore is yourself. So Angel, today we explore the amalgamation of flesh and bones known as yourself. You see, different aspects of yourself combine to create the version of yourself that is here today. These aspects are presumably in all humans, so it's not like we're just going to be singling you out. It's in everybody. The first aspect of yourself we need to explore is the angel that is facing a crisis of confidence and has lost his way in life. The sudden you know, realization that you are just a tiny blip in this incomprehensible vastness of the universe, it weighs heavily on you. Nothing has meaning in the, and the void of the universe you find yourself in burdens you with constant second guessing of everything you do. This angel finds himself in a midlife crisis. At some point in this episode, you need to manifest and confront that aspect of yourself. Having a midlife crisis. <laughs> okay. Confront it and resolve it. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, that's my turn. <laughs> okay. Um, profesh, profesh. So, Matt, you were born in Pennsylvania, weren't you? I was. <laughs> and that, Allegedly. <laughs> and that's the state our topic is in. I bet you visited Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, too. <laughs> well, Matt, surely it is time for you to introduce us to your secret alter ego that I've known about, even though you <laughs> thought I didn't. However, you won't just introduce us. You will become him. You will become West Philly Billy, accent and all. <laughs> West Philly Billy. Oh no! Like the um, the accent that Nick Cage uses in that vampire movie, <laughs> or where he thinks he's a vampire. Yes. Oh. I don't know what anyone from Philadelphia sounds like. Good. I, I lived there near there for like three years. <laughs> the second aspect of it. I was thinking of your transition the one time. <laughs> Speaking of, the second aspect of yourself we are exploring is the angel who has a bad take on something and then double down, doubles down even though that bad take is just objectively wrong. Additionally, this angel can never admit he is wrong. At some point in this episode, you need to manifest and confront that aspect of yourself. <laughs> okay. Let's see what I can do there. I never have bad takes, so could be a toughie. <laughs> Remember when you did Bobcat Goldwaite's bit? That made me realize how important comedy is for improving ourselves. So, to the best of your ability, you're to do another comedy routine from your favorite family-friendly comedian. You choose. What? <laughs> <laughs> the the final aspect of yourself in this journey is the angel who, who lets loose and becomes, unfortunately, quite angry and hostile. This angel has shed his morality, shed his super ego, if you will. He becomes uncontrollably angry and hostile at the smallest things. At some point, you need to manifest and confront that aspect of yourself <laughs> by... Exploring these facets of your inner being and resolving inner turmoils, we can, without a doubt, expect you to be a better person because by the end of this, you know, there is absolutely no way this can go wrong and make me regret any of these goals. <laughs> God. Awesome. With our goals set, I must ask, Angel, we have elements of fire at our fingertips. Are you Hi. That's Japanese for yes. That was a, that was a new, a new one. <laughs> uh, Angel, there are subjective truths and objective truths. The personal versus the factual. The objective truth is that there is only one figure in this plane of existence we find ourselves in that can tell us about the dangers of fire. That can spit, as the younglings say, straight fire. His years of experience leave us with no one else I'd ever trust on the issue of fire knowledge and, and safety. I am, of course, speaking of the anthropomorphic bear known as Smokey. 
since August 9th, 1944, Smokey has been dropping absolute gospel on fire safety, all while just wearing blue jeans and exposing his Charlemagne-esque barrel <laughs> chest for the world to see. Smokey tells us that fire occurs whenever combustible fuel in the presence of oxygen at an extremely high temperature becomes gas. This gives us what is known as the fire triangle, a simple way of understanding the elements of fire, heat, fuel, and oxygen. Smokey has this to say about the elements of fire. A heat source is responsible for the initial ignition of fire and is also needed to maintain the fire and enable it to spread. Heat allows fire to spread by drying out and preheating nearby fuel and warming surrounding air. Fuel, in turn, is any kind of combustible material. It's characterized by its moisture, content, size, shape, quantity, and arrangement in which it is spread over the landscape. The moisture content then determines how easily it will burn. Air contains about 21% oxygen, and most fires require at least 16% oxygen content to burn. Oxygen supports the chemical process that, that occur during fire. When fuel burns, it reacts with oxygen from the surrounding air, releasing heat and generating combustion products, gases, smoke, embers, etc. This process is known as oxidation. So, phew, Smokey had a lot to say for, you know, being a bear. So, Angel, theoretically, if these elements of fire are constant, a fire could last forever, right? Theoretically, yes. However, is this your bad take? <laughs> no, no, don't, no. I'm just saying that there is a way to have fire without oxygen, and that's nuclear fusion. Oh, Going to nuke the world? Check it. No, check no. it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's all I have to say. We have. <laughs> We have talked, we've talked about it in a few episodes before about how a small percentage of the American population are confident that in one-on-one -on -one combat, they could best a tiger, bear, or lion. Smokey, according to his stats page on SmokeyBear.com, is a black bear who weighs over 300 pounds, stands upright, and is almost always seen with a shovel in hand. Do you think you could take Smokey in a fight? Well... First of all, every time I've seen Smokey the Bear, he is not black. So I don't know where they got the black bear thing <laughs> he's from. A, he's a brown black he bear. He looks I like guess. a brown bear. You know, <laughs> I, I, I would have said grizzly at best. Black bear? What? Anyway, um, normally I would say, no, I won't take a bear in a fight. However, Smokey the Bear is a hippie. He loves, <laughs> he loves peace. And love, peace and love is, is is what he's about. No, no fires. He says. He says only you can prevent forest fires, and that's when you slug him in the face. He <laughs> cheap shot Smokey. <laughs> I mean, what's he gonna do? Fight back? No, because because I'm, I'm I'm holding a, a, a match on one hand and I'm punching him with the other, and he's trying to prevent me from 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 lighting that match, and I'm just keep punching him. What's he going to do? The onus is on you to prevent the forest fire, not Smokey. Exactly. And what's he to do? What's he to do? He, does he does he fight back even though he's telling me to prevent the fire? But I'm like, well, what if I don't? What then? Huh? 
what then? So your hypothetical in this hypothetical determines that Smokey doesn't fight back, but what if he does? He doesn't. <laughs> you're you're going to be in this situation like Mike Tyson of everyone has a plan until they get punched in the nose. <laughs> what if Smokey just punches you back in the face? Okay, well, hold with on. With this you with the shovel. So, so, so Smokey, well, he's going to use the shovel on me? Are you... Are you Okay, first of he all, he wields oh, a, a possible weapon. Well, then, also, he has then bare I, hands. Well, then I'm <laughs> bare hands or bare hands? Bare hands. <laughs> he <laughs> bears arms. If I'm going into this fight knowing that Smokey's got a shovel, that means I'm coming in with a weapon too. Okay? Maybe a bigger shovel. <laughs> he's He's got like a he's snow got, shovel. He's got the square shaped ones, I got the ones shaped like a spade. They call those spades. <laughs> they call those spades. They're not shovels or spades. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Actually, in fact, even if it's not smoky, any bear, just punch a bear. Go ahead and punch bears. Punch all the bears. I don't like them. None of them. No bears. They steal honey. They think they're... First of all, Grendel... Was a bear, guys. <laughs> Grendel was a bear. And nobody wants to acknowledge nobody wants that. wants to talk about it. It's like they're afraid. Yeah. Stop being afraid of bears, guys. <laughs> that sounds like sounds like we we need to move on because you're not budging on this on this take on Smokey. Nope. nope. <laughs> you doubled down. I don't nope. know what take that was. <laughs> I had a range of emotions coming through me. <laughs> Sadness, happiness, fear, <laughs> joy, the whole gamut. Yep. Looking through history, we can identify several different different. In- <laughs> I have missed a question here. Apparently, it's very important. Would the <laughs> to to continue to beat this dead bear? Would this shovel or his bare hands be more worrisome? I wrote down this question because it was important. I think. I think. Smokey, knowing that he's a bear, would immediately throw the shovel down because he knows he can take on anybody with his claws, right? But what he doesn't realize is that he throws down the shovel. I still have my bigger shovel. Your your spade. That's right. And I just pierce him in the belly. His guts come spilling out. And then I bathe in them. It's going to be one of those uh, moments in Lord of the Rings where Aragorn skewers the Urukai and he like grabs the sword. And and so in this instance, Smokey's going to grab the the handle of the shovel and pull himself closer to you. Yeah. And then you pull the shovel from his body, swing it, and then decapitate him. Yes. That's the only way to put him down. Or just, you know, picture the Revenant, but with Smokey the Bear. (laughs) I've actually not seen that whole thing. So I don't know. I don't know what happens in it. But oh, that's the uh, Leo the movie with the bear. Yeah, <laughs> I never saw it either. Not not cocaine bear though. We we don't want that one. I haven't seen that one either. No, I haven't either. <laughs> Just picture him with pants, and it's smoky. <laughs> Looking through history, we can identify several different instances where that theory of an eternal fire is put to the test. In the realm of naturally fueled flames, we can. Really break that down into two categories, flames fueled by natural gas and those fueled by coal seams. There are several notable ones fueled by natural gas, but first we have the eternal flame falls in New York State, 
which is a small, primarily methane gas fire behind a waterfall. However, this flame can be extinguished and has to be occasionally uh, relit. Occasionally relit? That, that sounds like a bummer, right? Yeah, I mean, why would you call it eternal flame if you have to relight it? That's just, that's just wrong. And but illegal, it's behind a waterfall. That's kind of badass. <laughs> but it's illegal to do something like that. To call it to eternal and oh, it's not to legal. relight it. <laughs> I when it was illegal to have a fire behind a waterfall. It's like, that's a, that's a take. <laughs> Flaming Geyser State Park in Washington State is named after a methane pocket that coal miners found in the early 1900s. A test hole hits salt water and gas, propelling water and flames 25 feet into the air. However, due to the depletion of the methane source, the flame went out in 2016. It had potential, but Smokey's Fire Triangle wins again as we are without a fuel source. Is a flame geyser impressive to you? Yes. I wish I had seen this. I wish I could see something like that. I imagine a, a dragon. Yeah. That's it. You're just imagining a dragon right at this moment? Yes. <laughs> That's the name of a band. <laughs> Keeping it professional. <laughs> they're just, there's, there's thoughts growing, going through your head, and, and then these words are coming out. <laughs> are you going through a midlife crisis? I'm, I'm trying to stay hip, hip to the, to the lingo, to the, to the things that kids listen to now, but I just can't keep up. I mean, you saw what just happened. I'm talking about Imagine Dragons. They're not they're not even hip anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what they're listening to these days. I, I try to, to their, get... To the Maroon 5s and <laughs> Backstreet Boys. You can't fool me. I know those are old already. Uh, I tried I try to play some, some, some Migos the other day, and somebody just laughed at me. He said, get out of here, Boomer. And I'm like, I'm not a Boomer. <laughs> I'm not a Boomer. I feel bad because I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> but then I, and then I, you know, I'm just like, you know what? Am I, am I so out of touch? And I said, no. It's the kids. That are, it's the kids that are wrong. Goddamn kids. Well, hold on to those butt cheeks, Angel, because we can tie both Homer and Pliny the Elder into this discussion Simpson? of eternal flame. And I'm not talking about Homer Simpson, <laughs> but there's Simpsons reference. Homer, of course, with the Iliad and his never-ending hatred for the color blue, writes of the Chimera, the part lion, part serpent, part goat amalgamation living upon Mount Chimera. Pliny writes in his second book, of the natural history connecting the Chimera to the city of Phacelis, which he described as being on fire, and that it indeed burned with a flame that does not die by night, by day or night. The idea here is that Pliny was describing what is now called Inartus in Turkey, in which methane gas emerges from the ground and burns continuously. It is believed that these fires have been burning for over 2,500 years, did you expect both Homer and Pliny to show their faces today? Zork? <laughs> I did not, but I also prepare myself for the day that this happens because I know Pliny is always lurking in the shadows. 
Is he like Dracula? <laughs> Gonna come back? He's just... I see the beady eyes in the darkness, and I... Who's there? Is it Pliny? And then they go away. It's... It's it's a never-ending nightmare, really. It, it's very upsetting. Was one of your goals to be paranoid? <laughs> about Pliny the Elder coming back to kill you? No. For these, what you did? My true you know honest, you did. These are my true honest feelings. <laughs> Outside of these natural gas flames, there is the coal seam flame in Australia known as Burning Mountain. What a name. The fire <laughs> is estimated to be a depth of 100 feet, or in common terms... 40 adult porcupines stacked on top of each other deep. The timeline here is that the fire is suggested to be around 6,000 years old, but geologists also suspect that it could be up to 500,000 years old and possibly started by lightning. There doesn't seem to be any end in sight for the flames of Yonartus or Burning Mountain, but how do you think things like these would influence the human experience like meaning how would these have impacted ancient civilizations like isn't the idea of an internal fire kind of badass i mean we ha- there's fires happening for so long they don't go the end and presumably maybe underground i'm thinking is this is this how hell came to be is this the concept of hell <laughs> just eternal fire this landover in, <laughs> in like Persia of Unartus, <laughs> just on fire all the time. On fire all the time, yeah. Uh, I mean, you could die. <laughs> That's something. From the fire? <laughs> or just like in general, at any moment in time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm having a, a hard think time. Having, having a medical issue today <laughs> in your old age the idea of an internal fire seems so foreign and unique but it it, it seemingly uh, is seemingly far from the case here angel a burning mountain according to a live a live science article or live science article <laughs> live science.com <laughs> article represents oh, <laughs> Only one of the thousands of coal fires around the world. China has hundreds of coal fires that reportedly have originated more than a century ago and consume as much as 20 million tons of coal each year. Think of how much coal Santa could give out. We're naughty children with that much coal. Michael Caine's character Alfred in The Dark Knight is often quoted as saying, Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Angel, apparently we are just all watching it burn with these eternal fires going on. Did you know that that this was happening at this high of a level? No, I did not. In fact, (laughs) the way it's described in the wiki article, like China has a belt of these things. There's like a specific... Uh, geographical line that you can follow where all these fires are happening. And also, I think that quote kind of, I feel like it changes the meaning of, 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 of what was being said there. You know, watching the world burn sounds like, oh, these guys are just jerks, psychopaths. But knowing that we're just watching like 
fires underground burn. It's it's like forever. <laughs> it's like watching the sunset now. Like it's no longer malevolent. It just becomes common. It becomes part of existence. Yep. It becomes something outside of your control that no matter what you try to do, you 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 can't influence it. It's almost like you you hit a midpoint in your life and you think what is it all for? What is it all for? I don't know. Nobody knows. No. But the kids are wrong. And they make it worse. This brings us, to, not us, this brings <laughs> us to our main eternal fire of this episode that we are going to explore. Centralia, Pennsylvania. Now, Angel, as you stated earlier, I was born in Pennsylvania, and I lived just over an hour away from Centralia, and I had never even heard of this eternal fire until probably just a few years ago. Do you recall if you've ever heard of this before, like we even started to to research it? Narf! <laughs> I am, no, I do have not actually like you i heard about it maybe a few years ago and i thought huh that's interesting it's actually uh funny that you mentioned that you lived a few hours away you mean to tell me you didn't even feel like the warmth from it coming that way <laughs> yeah just <laughs> the heat just this washing over immense you. heat <laughs> i would go outside i'd wipe my brow and say where is this coming from <laughs> every day of my life <laughs> The, the noxious fumes are back. Must be the neighbor. For like the past month, I've had air quality reports on my phone for warnings that I shouldn't be outside. So it's probably, I'm living that now. Yeah. We all are. <laughs> An entire town with a fire burning below it. That seems almost, as you alluded to earlier, a literal hell on earth. But it, it makes me think. Could it be worse? So, I need from you the top five things that could be below a town that are worse than a coal mine fire that that is never being put out. Okay. Uh, the in fact, I mean, I, mean, I, I would argue that coal, coal underground fires would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> is that a bad take? <laughs> I don't think it's a bad take. I think it's great, actually. Fires are fun. <laughs> you love starting them. You love watching them. You love running away from them after you've started them and watched them. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, we're not going to get into my hobbies. We've, we've done enough of that. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> Dilapidated geocaching. <laughs> You set up all your traps. So it's like a, like saw, but but it's a, a fun game. A fun game. You say do you want to play a game? You record your voice as people enter on a trigger wire. It plays. Uh, hit us up if you've run into any of those any, and anyway. survived. <laughs> fall into those that pit of needles that you've collected over the past decade that's just a minor inconvenience if you hit the needles i think you'll survive that one yeah, five she does, th she does in the movie 
many things below? Aren't there like 10 movies or something? <laughs> There's one with Chris Rock. I never saw that one. <laughs> yeah, no. I think I stopped after the third. I don't know what after oh, that. I, I like them. I like them. I mean, I enjoy them, but I just can't. It's like books. I can't. If you're going to give me <laughs> 10, a book of 10, a series of 10 books, like I'm just going to read the first one and that's it. Like, forget the rest. <laughs> the story doesn't continue. I, it ends, I, I can't it ends remain, here. I can't remain loyal. I need to watch other things. I need to read other things, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's just, spread, I hate, spread yourself among I, the seas. I hate I, the series. It's just, why are there so many series? Just give me a standalone book. I just don't understand. All the, pe- all the authors that need to, like, oh, I'm going to make it a trilogy. Oh, I'm going to make a... Qu- G.R.R. Martin originally wrote his Song of Ice and Fire to be a trilogy, and now look at him. He hasn't even finished, and it's, what, book seven he's, we're waiting on? Screw him. Screw his team and everybody else. And then you have people like Patrick Patrick Roth, Rothfuss. I don't even know how to say his name. He's supposed to be writing a trilogy. He can't even write the third book. And he's dropped off the face of the earth. And nobody wants to talk about him. They think he's a dick. Whatever. I, whatever. I am done. Top five things below a town worse than a coal fire. I'm excited to see if you start with one or five. I'm starting with uh, three plus two. <laughs> that, that's five. That's five. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm descending. Yes. I've I've learned that if I say one, that's supposed to be the best one. So I'm I'm starting with. I usually number them one through five, but then I just call it five number one because it doesn't matter. I don't have them in any order. Five, <laughs> number five. <laughs> skip around. <laughs> number five, uh, t- uh thing worse, uh, things below a town that would be worse than a coal mine fire. Number five, cursed paintings. And like underneath the entire town, yeah, just just, just full of it, full thousands of, of cursed paintings. <laughs> yep. Uh, what what if Angel? <laughs> the, the, that's all they have to do is throw in the cursed paintings into the coal mine, <laughs> and then they won't burn anymore. It'll stop the fire. Didn't the cursed paintings start a fire? <laughs> but remember, they they wouldn't burn because wouldn't of the burn. stuff that's on right. them. <laughs> they don't burn. I think we solved it, guys. And then you wanted to make a shop that was lined in them, <laughs> so it could never burn down. Uh, number number four, worst things below uh, things below a town worse than a coal fire is Jack Black Circle School of Rock. <laughs> is the way the entire is School of Rock is down there? No, just Jack Black from that <laughs> from that era of School of Rock. Oh, Circle. <laughs> Did you not like him in that? Ah, oh, he was pleasant, actually. He's worse than a, a coal mine fire. To be <laughs> I just picked a random movie. You could double down. <laughs> I mean, can't imagine you're wrong. Number three, <laughs> things worse below. Uh, things below a town worse than a coal fire's. Expired coupons. <laughs> so many of them, and they're all expired. Oh, that really, that really gets your goat. <laughs> it boils my blood. It, it makes me so mad I can't see straight. <laughs> you go into elder mode. 
number number two thing uh things below a town worse than a coal fire is Jack Black circa never ending story three. He was in that? <laughs> he sure was. When did that movie come out? Some in the nineties or something. He was acting in the nineties? <laughs> yes. I mean, his more memorable 90s role would be uh, Enemy of the State with Will Smith and Gene Hackman. He was in that? <laughs> yes. Are you, are you gaslighting me? <laughs> he was a hacker, I think. <laughs> Did he, like, hack in immediately and just have, by typing some stuff on the keyboard? Basically. In 90s fashion? I mean, he's he's an awesome hacker. And then he says, like, like uh, what's, the, what's the hacker lingo? Like, uh... Give me one moment, one moment, almost in, almost in. <laughs> he's like, I, I got the IP address. <laughs> I, I got know he's firewall. <laughs> Firewall's I've, down. I've dropped the firewall. I'm in his defenses. Number one. Before before you go, it reminds me of of my favorite uh, <laughs> other '90s star that that I just couldn't get enough of his comedy bits. It was just, they were always so good. You love him. Everybody loves him. Jerry Seinfeld. And he would just go up on stage and like he would he would just he would just rattle off all these questions. <laughs> like, that was his thing. And he'd go like, what's the, what's the deal? And that was his thing. <laughs> and he'd say, hey, you know, I don't know if you ever actually said this one, but it's like, what's the deal with airline food? And, and then he would follow it up with like, why is it that when you're driving, everyone else is a bad driver? Or like he throws one out. Why do we put milk in a bag? <laughs> and he's like, what's the deal? And why do we call it taking a shower when we're actually showering down? Is this what he says? So, like, these are, this is, it's just so funny. What? What's the deal? It's so funny. What? What's the deal? Milk. Milk in a bag. What's the deal? Well, you have me busting a gut, so I <laughs> applaud you. After- I didn't go full, Jerry, because I, I don't remember what he sounds like. <laughs> but he's you my just, favorite. You just have to sound like you're about to cry with a high voice. <laughs> Why do we call it taking a shower? No, no, there's a gold <laughs> bobcat came in there. <laughs> Oh, I should I should have made you do Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Affleck. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Man, it's hot. It's the sriracha. R.I.P. Yeah, he's actually dead. <laughs> we Gilbert finally got Godfrey one right. Rip. <laughs> finally got one right. Number one. The number one thing worse. Then below a town worse than a coal fire is unsold copies of the Atari game E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Going to a landfill in New Mexico? <laughs> Building towns there. Hmm. Zort. While the story of this forever fire begins in 1962, I'm first going to bring us to the, to the great and exciting year of 1978. By far... The greatest achievement by mankind in that year was the 1978 Annual Report of the Appalachian Regional Commission. On page 27 of that most godly of reports is a segment titled, Putting Out an Underground Blaze. Just riveting. 
Now, this isn't even the first report the Appalachian Regional Commission has done on Centralia, but at this point we are at least 16 years separated from the beginning of the fire to when this report came out. 16 years is a, a pretty long time for, you know, a fire to be going on underneath a populated town and deciding how still to best handle it. For a comparison here, Angel, if this fire began 16 years ago today, that would put us all the way back in 2007. Here are some things that occurred back in 2007 that helps, you know, put us in a time frame of reference of how far away this, this annual report of the Appalachian Regional Commission was released once we get into it. So, in January of 2007, Steve Jobs introduced the original iPhone. February of, I wrote 20,007, <laughs> February of 2007, Tumblr is launched to the public. June of 2007, Bob Barker hosts his final The Price is Right. That one actually blew me away because I thought that was like 2015. Drew Carey's been right. hosting since 2007? <laughs> what the hell? Some of the biggest songs that year were Irreplaceable by Beyonce. I know you love her. Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood. I know you love her. Umbrella by Rihanna. I know you love her. And Glamorous by Fergie. I know you love her, too. I love them all. <laughs> Fergalicious. Some popular movies that came out, a favorite of yours, Shrek the Third. It was the boom of rom-coms and the height of Dane Cook's career with Good Luck Chuck. Jessica Alba was in that. She mm -hmm. helped Penguins. The Robin Williams, John Krasinski, and Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore movie licensed to wed that was released i know you love that one mm -hmm. eddie murphy's norbit remember norbit <laughs> narf zoinks truck norbit came out and is somehow <laughs> somehow labeled a rom-com i don't know how i was <laughs> blown away by that uh, mainly by the comedy part of it being labeled that is is there a favorite is there a favorite 2007 release that captures your heart like no other, like Mandy Moore did when you were a young lad? Well, I mean, you did name a lot of, of my favorites. Um, some you missed were No Country for Old Men, uh, oh, there, yeah. there Will Be Blood, yeah. uh, and Hot Fuzz, great oh, comedy. Yeah. Yeah. We also had the Pirates of the Caribbean at the World's End, mm -hmm. everyone's favorite Juno every, indie oh. film. With uh, Michael Sarah being Michael Sarah, <laughs> yeah, and and Enchanted, which uh, recently saw a, a sequel come out. The sequel's out. <laughs> yes, is it? I missed it. <laughs> it's called Disenchanted. I thought it was still in production. It's in Disney. It's in I know Disney what I'm doing Plus. after this. And uh, it it was a movie, yeah, but <laughs> it's, well, it's funny that. Uh, you mentioned Juno because I think Superbad also came out in 2007. And Michael Sarah was in that. It was a Michael Sarah yep. year. Yep, yep. He, yep. Mike, yeah, Michael Sarah. His last name means wax in Spanish. Anyway, <laughs> I think we just need to call him Michael Wax now. <laughs> Michael Wax. <laughs> yep. So many other movies. But I think out of all the 2007 movies, my the one that really captured my heart was I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Was that with Adam Sandler and uh, Ke Kevin, Kevin James? Yeah, Kevin James. Oh, my God. Yep. I forgot that movie yep. existed. 
Yep, that that's the movie. That's the greatest movie ever. <laughs> that's captured my heart. <laughs> uh, what was the point of that movie? I don't remember. They get gay married. Why though? Like were they trying to Because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it leads into the hilarious situations that would not offend anybody. Yeah. I don't remember anything about that movie. I only I don't remember why they want they had to get married and, and Steve Buscemi was like the antagonist and he's like trying to find out Is he like, like their neighbor or something saying like they shouldn't be that no, they're not gay no, or something? I, I, he's like on the some sort of authority figure and he's like trying to catch them to be like I know they're lying about them being gay or something. I don't know why. I don't know anything about I just remember seeing the movie and thinking, wow, this exists. It's great. Let's see. I had to look it up because I it stars Adam Sandler and Kevin James as the title characters Chuck and Larry, respectively, two New York City firefighters who pretend to be a gay couple in order to ensure one of their children can receive health care. However, things go from bad to worse when an agent decides decides to verify their story. The film was released in the United States on July 20th, 2007, and was Sandler's first role with Universal since Bulletproof. It uh, grossed $187.1 million against an $85 million budget. <laughs> Jesus. So it was a it was a social commentary on health care, on our health care system. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It had a nice message in the end. Fraud. <laughs> I think... I think uh, I think uh, Bruno did a better gay marriage story. I remember, to completely derail this, I remember the end of Bruno where he's fighting in the cage and people, there's a guy trying to rip his chair, bolt it to the ground, out of the ground to throw it into the ring. People yep. went ballistic. They yep. went absolutely ballistic. Yep. Uh that's a that's a classic. Uh, 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 I don't think a lot of people talk about it. I think it's, it's actually a very uh, interesting film. Start making out in the middle <laughs> during the fight. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, back to the annual report here. It starts off <laughs> with the very concerning sentence. It is not uncommon to see smoldering, noxious fires burning in coal mining communities, particularly in coal-producing areas of Appalachia, where many older abandoned deep mines and refuse banks exist. The introduction paragraph then ends with this. Mine fires may go unnoticed and burn for decades if they are located in remote areas. However, if they are located near or beneath a metropolitan area, the problem is immediately noticeable and more dangerous. Do you think it's good if a government report starts that way or like is there any worse way that this could have gone <laughs> the starting of this paper there's just it's common for noxious fumes to be going into the, these communities i i don't like i don't like the the way they started like it just kind of sounds like hey this is how it is and there's nothing to be done about it <laughs> this is how it is and that's the way we like it yeah <laughs> The report continues, in June of 1965, Pennsylvania requested Appalachian Regional Commission funds to control the spread of the fire to attempt to keep it from burning under the borough of Centralia, where 1,165 people live. The final work on this project was completed in February 1974. In addition to cleaning strip 
uh, strip mining debris from the high wall of the uh, coal stripping pit on the surface and stripping some coal, barriers each 50 feet thick were placed around the fire in the mine. So three years after it started, funds are still being requested to address the fire. 12 years after the fire started, we have the finishing touches being put in place of the plan to put 50 foot thick walls, you know, of course, commonly known as 20 adult porcupines long. This report comes out four years later and the fire is still burning and spreading. Do 50 foot walls seem like a proper solution to you? Did they did they try to like share an obelisk and <laughs> just put <laughs> walls around it? I don't think there is a proper solution to putting out a coal mine fire. I think they just wasted a lot of money doing stuff. They should have just thrown the, the money in there. <laughs> it would have worked just as well. Or the cursed paintings. <laughs> just it's like those what was it? Like the um the, the carb the Choir boy? No, crying, crying boy. Crying no, boy. No. The, the, uh, when the government started buying back old cars, the, um, I can't remember what that program is called. Goodbye Model T? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon cars or something. And <laughs> it's like that. I don't know where this was going because I forgot what the hell the name of the program was. Uh, why, why don't they like, like turn these mines into like oh. giant ovens. <laughs> Just start cooking with noxious coal mine fuel. I remember what I was saying though, but it was like <laughs> related to the picture, to the goddamn crying boy painting of the government just starts calling people in to turn in their their crying boy curse paintings. And uh, I'm not even gonna finish this. This joke is gone. It's not salvageable. <laughs> Whatever's in that tankard, I want it. <sighs> Noxious fumes. <laughs> the next step is in 1978, the State and Bureau of Mines determined the only way to control the spread of the fire and save Centralia is to install an airtight, non-combustible barrier, which will be 1,000 feet thick. So they're going from 50 to 1,000. Uh, you know, of course, commonly referred to as 400 adult porcupines <laughs> long thick. <laughs> At the time of the report, it was estimated it would take roughly two to two and a half years to complete the new barrier. The report seems optimistic as it states, a group of homes nearest to the fire have had meters installed in their basements to register <laughs> the amount of carbon monoxide in their atmosphere and sound an alarm if there's enough gas to present uh, present to threaten their occupants. Such a novel idea. The <laughs> meters offer a slight measure of peace of mind for Centralia's residents, most of whom have more or less learned to live with the furnace beneath them. The furnace. <laughs> but until the mine fire has been permanently contained, the specter of losing their homes and perhaps their lives is a constant companion. Angel. The report pretty much ended with how I ended every damn paper in high school, which was only time will tell. <laughs> Clearly, a 1,000-foot mega barrier doesn't work, but the indication that these people have just you know, come to terms that a hellfire is below them and just put carbon monoxide detectors in their basements? What, <laughs> what the hell? Would you not be freaking out? There's fire <laughs> underneath you. It's not going out, and they put carbon monoxide detectors in your basement. I mean, if, if, I, if I can, like, dig a hole and 
and transfer the heat during winter to the house. <laughs> but somehow filter out the fumes. <laughs> somehow. Um, you can just put I, carbon monoxide detectors. I have, I have a, a carbon monoxide detector in my hallway. And... You know, it was there with the house when I got the house, and I pressed the test button, and it doesn't do a damn thing. <laughs> and I'm wondering, what just, the hell? I don't know how to fix this because it's just there. It's, it's an art there. installation. It's not a carbon monoxide detector. <laughs> it's an art installation. So I can't imagine if my thing doesn't even work. I can't imagine what uh, these detectors. Well, you're implying that theirs works too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Continued attempts to douse the fire failed, and then by 1992, 30, 30 years after the start of the fire, all real estate in Centralia was claimed under eminent domain and condemned. So, is it just me, or does it seem like in modern day America, a a fire should not still be going on over 60 years later. This fire is almost retirement age, Angel. Some <laughs> predictions put it burning for at least another 250 years. That will be the year 2273. Elon Musk wants to put Neuralink implants in our brains, and we can't even put out fires that started 61 years ago. Doesn't it seem like this just shouldn't be happening anymore i mean as long as there's coal right it's just gonna keep burning <laughs> these it's the fire triangle there's there's Smokey no was right there's no stopping this fire train <laughs> it's off the rails it's it doesn't need rails. rails it doesn't even need roads where it's going <laughs> what the hell happened here angel there is some actual debate on what caused the fire in the first place so generally, it's believed it started when the city council decided to clean up the town landfill with a controlled burn that didn't stay so controlled. The landfill was on top of what was believed to be a sealed strip mine pit, which also wasn't so sealed. So for whatever reason, the controlled fire wasn't fully put out and the fire moved into the mine below. What do you think of this theory? The or Like how it started? I mean, yeah, so that it was a landfill that they tried attempted to burn. So the city council decided that they wanted to burn this landfill to clear it. And so they had the fire department come in, do a controlled burn. But the landfill was in an old strip mine pit. So yeah. it was just a strip mine pit that they thought was sealed. It wasn't. And a part of it was still refuse and garbage that led down into the coal mine area, into a, a chamber that led to the coal mine. So... That part of the landfill, for whatever reason, it just never got put out. And then the fire embers or something eventually got down through that chamber and ignited all of this. There's supposedly there's um, a person who refutes this this theory. I don't know if you've seen that. Frank no. Jurgle? No. Jurgle? Jurgle? Is that, is that what Pinky says? <laughs> Jurgle! <laughs> Yeah, it says, uh, it says um, that Frank Jurgle Sr. claims he operated a bootleg mine with his brother in the vicinity of the landfill between 1960 and 1962. He says that if the Bast Colliery 
fire had never been put out, he and his brother would have been in it and killed by the gases. What am I doing with my life not having a bootleg <laughs> coal mine? <laughs> you can do that? <laughs> I mean, it's called bootleg, so I'm pretty sure the answer is no. <laughs> At least not legally. <laughs> That's a bad take, Angel. <laughs> the, uh, the landfill idea... And, you know, just burning garbage. It makes me think of this this guy that I knew when I lived outside of Philadelphia, West Philly Billy. And then as I was talking to my therapist, I realized that was was me. I was West Philly Billy. And I would would just go around telling people about coal mines because coal mines are a huge industry in, in Pennsylvania. And I'd say... In my Philadelphia accent, I'd say, I I used to work in the pits when I was a kid. And that... That was my West Billy Philly. (laughs) West Philly Philly. My my grandfather, he was a coal miner. And that coal mining, you gotta gotta be safe. It's a dangerous job. The coal mines help build Philadelphia, is what I always say. And I just go out in the streets talking about coal mines. And landfills. <laughs> What's Philly Billy? And and I'd say I'd say burn them, burn them all, burn the coal mines, burn the landfills. What's <laughs> and, Philly Billy here? And I'd throw I'd throw batteries at people, <laughs> like my people do when when Santa was in that in that stadium. <laughs> we pelted them with batteries. <laughs> well. That does it. We know you're, we know you're West Philly Billy because only Philadelphian would do that. And then there was this robot that came through from the other side of the country. And it was this uh, hitchhiking robot. And I saw it <laughs> sitting on the bench. And I said, what the hell is this piece of shit? And I smashed it. Did you say West Philly Billy sends a message? Yeah. And I broke its legs. I just broke them. <laughs> You said, I broke that, John. <laughs> I called it a John boy. <laughs> I, I said, this is a message from West Philly Billy. I'm breaking your legs, John boy. And I did it. And then it was on the news the next day that somebody from Philadelphia destroyed the, the hitchhiking robot. Yep. Look it up. Look it up. It's, it's there. That poor robot didn't stand a chance. Another theory from John Quigley in the, get this, Angel, the 2007 book, it was released the day the Earth caved in. She, uh, Joan Quigley, I think I said John. I had John Boy in my mind. (laughs) Blacking out. So much coal huffing. So, uh, you know how they have those, uh, like, oxygen, uh, like, aerosol cans basically that you could like (laughs) smell the oxygen they're not aerosol but um you can just like take whiffs of oxygen anything that just like coal mine air just get some black lung (laughs) along the along the way so back to joan uh she argues that the fire actually started a day before the landfill was burned when hot ash or coal was dumped into the landfill by a trash hauler so what do you think of that theory? Is that a possibility? Is it sound? I mean, they all su- seem possible. <laughs> I mean, it's not outlandish. <laughs> that's, 
trash was dumped that was not supposed to be there? Yeah, I mean, unless, I mean, is the trash, like, how is the trash just catching fire? I don't know what's happening there. Maybe, maybe some kind of nuclear fusion occurred. <laughs> and, and, uh, by, uh, uh, proximity, it caught the, the coal caught fire and then used up, uh, started burning normally, not, not fusion. Um, was it in was it in Australia like several months ago back where like a depleted uranium thing fell off the back of a truck? <laughs> They're like asking people to find it, but it was like super small. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe yeah. it was like that. Um, makes me wonder though. You you, met, you brought you said it earlier when uh, Santa bringing coal to children, and I'm wondering do, does he want them to catch fire? Is that what he's trying to do? Like what's happening there? He's not trying to like. <laughs> murder them for being bad i mean nobody ever talks about like is the chimney supposed to be turned off when he comes down the chimney like what's going on there did anyone ever when that idea of santa giving out coal ever imagined we wouldn't you know have like coal burning heat in our houses any longer (laughs) Uh, i mean was that ever was that ever a possibility in their lives (laughs) did they ever think that because he has no purpose to give coal anymore but why would he give coal anyway? It's supposed to be a punishment. And if that's just fuel for keeping them warm. It's actually warm, quite helpful. It is. <laughs> During the time. <laughs> it is. I guess it's not fun. You just get coal. That's like it's a bogus gift. <laughs> I want a I want a wooden horse. <laughs> well, you could you could set that on fire too, so <laughs> <laughs> could throw that into the furnace. <laughs> Get some heat. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Another theory started that just like how the Appalachian Regional Commission stated mine fires can go decades without being found, is that the fire spread from a separate separate mine fire thirty years prior. So it's like it's like coal mine inception that just keeps getting deeper into coal mines. What do you think of that theory? I want to know, is there like a kind of carbon dating for fires so we can find out how old this fire is? There should be like DNA testing to see if it if it if it's uh, if it uh, branched off an, an existing fire. <laughs> it's, it's like the core of the Earth is just coming up under Centralia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's gonna be like the movies. Uh, what was that movie where that Gerald Butler had to go into the center of the Earth? Is that Core? I plead the fifth. <laughs> I have not seen <laughs> that, that <noise>? <laughs> Your soul just left your body. <laughs> it slowly leaves whenever I admit to never seeing a movie. I die a little inside. <laughs> you take great great pride in seeing everything. <laughs> everything. I have to see everything so I can be up to date. Because if not, how will I relate to the children? <laughs> Except for sequels. You don't watch those. You don't have time for them. Just like book sequels. I mean, with the way sequels work, I can figure out what they're going to be about. How about remakes? Does, do those really chap your ass? Oh, definitely. No, I mean, it's like, speaking of remakes, there's a Total Recall remake with, with Colin Farrell. I forgot um, that existed. Yeah. And they, apparently they travel through the center of the earth and it's hollow. Like, what's that? <laughs> what? Why does he go to the center of the earth? Because that's how he gets to where he goes to work. They take like this elevator that what? goes through the center of the earth. <laughs> yeah. And then, how's like, it? How's it? Get so back up. 
How are they not crushed? How well, is this, they, any of this work? I don't know, but they do a thing like once they hit the center, they, they're like, all right, it's gravity shift time. And they like have to jump so that they land on their feet when it goes out the other end. <laughs> they're what? not like upside down. <laughs> I swear this is all true. <laughs> I'm like paranoid that I'm always being gaslit now. Because this sounds horrible. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like when I was telling you about, dude, where's my car? And it's like there's a 50-foot woman in the movie. <laughs> my my uh, remake rage of the day was that I, I learned that um, Return of the Living Dead is being remade. An 80s classic zombie movie, which the reason it's funny is because it's a 80s zombie movie. Return of the Living is that is that where the zombies talk? Yeah, they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Re- and then and let me guess, they're gonna remake it and then be like, it's gonna be gritty and realistic. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not fun. Say no, no more remakes, gritty stuff. No more gritty nope, stuff. Nope. I have been a, a proponent of the idea of no remakes ever, but nobody wants to listen to me. I've written to Hollywood several times, and now, now that they're writers and actors are on strike who's laughing now hollywood me i'm the one laughing ha your true laugh <laughs> true laugh i write it on the paper the true laugh you you wrote it down as your truth so uh <laughs> lastly another idea is that the unusually hot weather spontaneously started the fire it's like billy joel started the fire what do you think of oh that theory oh my god was that was that what that song was about? <laughs> How does he remember the words in that song? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he says they didn't start the fire, so who did? Um, a hot, hot weather. Um, well, see, the thing is, I get uh, weather alerts every now and then about like uh, it's un- it's going to be unusually w- low humidity. So keep all your uh, keep an eye on all your. F- outdoor fuels because they might catch fire kind of thing however this is an underground mine so i don't know how that how well that gets affected i don't see how it could just spark like my garage is pretty warm right now and that's where i keep my my charcoal i don't see it lit up it's not lighting up spontaneously and burning down my my garage so uh, i don't i don't believe this one i don't think i don't think this is plausible mm-hmm. you guys surrounded by your collection of antique candles that you constantly have lit i make them out of earwax you call them your your, your michael saras <laughs> then we talk about lanterns with sperm sperm whales there uh, wasn't yep. that a thing a few episodes ago yep yep the the spanish word we have there's two words for, for wax in Spanish, and there's uh, the, the Sarah, and then there's the the sperm, which refers to the sperm whale oil that that the candles used to be made from. We need to bring that back. Just get the whales out of here. Just kill all. The I mean, whales. the orcas are attacking the the boats. It's it's not good. <laughs> it's revenge time. We need to quell this rebellion. Anything that you wanted to add before we get into the rubric of power, the get me off this ride edition, the seldom used. Rupert. Well, the only thing I'd really uh, like to add is um, this is this is not just a, a random thing. Like it's not like an article uh, on the Centralia thing. Like there's books on this stuff. 
I would like to highlight two books that I found during my research. One of them is called Fire Underground, The Ongoing Tragedy of the Centralia Mine Fire. That came out in 2010. And then there is The Real Disaster is Above Ground, A Mine Fire and Social Conflict. That one came out in copyright was 1990, but the paperback edition was 2009. So I'm, took a long time uh, to get to paperback. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the the blurb of the the real disasters above ground says Centralia's yeah Centralia's environmental disaster. The authors argue is not a local or isolated phenomenon. It warns of the danger lurk, lurking in our own technology when safeguards fail and disaster management policy is not in place to respond to failure as the examples of Chernobyl and Bhopal have clearly demonstrated. This book is kind of going with the theory that the fire was our fault, not from weather mm-hmm. or, you know, any of that uh, uh, sp- fire from somewhere else spreading to this one. I think, so, yeah, the, I, just, I think the uh, the theory of the spontaneous <clears throat> fire came from the <laughs> from the city council because they didn't want to, you know, take blame for what course. they just did by having the, uh, the landfill burned. So, you know, there's that aspect of it. Yeah. So, yeah, this, uh, there would be interesting books to look into. Um, I'm sure there's more. And I'm sure there's mo- other books on other uh, forever burning minds. I haven't looked into that. But I think it's, an, it, it's a very interesting phenomenon. Like, like you mentioned, like this is so common and you don't really hear anybody talking about these it kinds of things. It blows my mind, yeah, that this is <laughs> not uncommon for <laughs> just, over the past century. <laughs> I mean, even even, <laughs> even Pliny the Elder. These He's writing about them. <laughs> There's forever fires. Forever fires. Can you be, can you imagine? We, we could be looking at the same fire that Pliny the Elder was looking at. Holy shit! <laughs> what if his soul's in there? We could summon him back out. We truly are. Well, he was taken connected. by the volcano. So. <laughs> he was taken by fire. <laughs> Maybe it was the mine fire. Those Romans in their <laughs> industrial coal mines that he was overseeing. That's what the Roman dodecahedron was for. It was their canary <laughs> in a coal mine. Yep. That's, the, that's... Old, the old Roman saying, my dodecahedron in a coal mine. <laughs> They'd toss it in, see if, uh, if the, the thing would melt. Mm-hmm. And if it does, it's too hot. <laughs> it's too hot to Abandon go in there. Abandon the mine. <laughs> too many noxious fumes. <laughs> And then that's how Spartacus happened. It's a coal mine uprising. Yep. Anything else you wanted to add before I randomly interrupted with whatever the hell I just talked about? No, that's it. How about then the Ruprica Power? The first one is titled In Their Shoes. So how scary would this have been for the people experiencing it? Based on that report. They not so much. <laughs> yeah. I was that that's the that's the weird thing. I'm going based on how I would be reacting and not by how the people were dubbed first of all whoever wrote this report i'm wondering if they're also like these government uh agencies and trying to downplay the whole situation yeah and just saying oh yeah nobody was freaked out at all it was totally fine yeah um, this could happen to you it'll be fine when it does <laughs> i if i find out that the ground beneath me is just a mine that's on fire forever I think I'd be a little worried. <laughs> I would worried. not be happy. <laughs> I'd, I'd be worried about several things. Um, 
am I going to catch fire? Am I going to inhale carbon monoxide and die in my sleep? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I going to get sick from other things? Like, so many questions. How safe is it? Like, is there an opening somewhere somebody could fall in and then burn to death? Who knows? Can, can you imagine falling in and you fall into a, a fire pit? <laughs> like, what I mean, the hell? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, it boggles my mind just thinking about it. I I rated this a three. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. The So the 1960 con, uh, census data shows that uh, 1,435 people lived in Centralia. So that's two years before the fire breaks out. Ten years later, which is eight years after the fire, the population was 1,165. So a decrease. For a good portion of the of the population, it seems, as that report suggested, that life was just at, going on as usual. By 1980, the population was 1,017, meaning more had moved on. By the mid-80s, funds were provided to those who voluntarily wanted to move, as it was clear that this fire was not going anywhere. Then, here comes the big hit. In the 1990 uh, census data... The population was 63. As of 2021, it is estimated that four people still live there. While not, you know, initially, over time, it clearly became an issue where these people either wanted, needed, or had to leave. So, to conclude that 1978 Appalachian Regional Commission article, time has told us that the fire won. Time has been told. (laughs) (laughs) It finally happened. So, I rated the In Their Shoes at a 3.678. One day I'm going to ask you how you come up with those decimals. I thought it'd be fun to have a 678 <laughs> after my three. That was, it was a, a fancy little moment I had. How about the believability? Is it too outlandish? Normally, because this is a thing that we can prove is still this happening is, today. This is a wow moment. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all true. But it, to me, I'm I'm thinking about it like how believable it really is, and this sounds so ridiculous. Like fires just go constantly burning underneath the ground beneath you. Like that's absurd. I actually knocked points off of this. <laughs> He went against Smokey's fire triangle. How dare you? He's going to fight you. It's got your I scent. Gave, I gave it a 3.98. What if it was a 3.678? That would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, I, gave it a, I gave it a 4 because of, of it's believable to me. Believable because yeah. it's happening. That was a, I lived an hour away. I never knew. They really covered it up. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Uh, then the next one, the lore and mystique. Of this. In this case, it's not really very, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not really much to it. There's, it's a coal, it's a coal mine and it's, it's on fire. There's no, there's no <laughs> stories. I mean, I feel like I'm the only one that alluded to it being hell. I, I can't feel, nobody really talks about that either. I, I looked it up. There's no connection. Nobody's talking about, oh, this is, there is like, uh, you know, this belongs in the pop culture section, but the movie Silent Hill 
kind of the guy, uh, the the screen screenwriter was researching Centralia, <laughs> and w- and when I read that, I was like, oh, it all clicked. I remember mm-hmm. all the ashes and the fire in, in the movie Silent Hill. I'm like, I see it now. But yeah, it's uh, I give it a two in lore. It's not too bad. I like how there are several theories as to how the fire occurred, even though if they're not too different. Like one was the fire started a day before the landfill set on fire. <laughs> the other is <laughs> the landfill was the cause of it uh, or natural yeah. causes or whatever. Or the the ghost fire 30 years prior that <laughs> continued on. <laughs> so, But there are other curious and weird things that I found. So, for instance, a man named Gordon Smith, who was an engineer at the Department of Mines and Mineral Industries, told the town he could dig out the smoldering material with just a steam shovel for 175 bucks he would do it uh but i guess it didn't go for it because it didn't happen Uh, (laughs) it's believed some of the initial attempts to fix the issue only made it worse when drilling just added more fuel to the fires to burn stronger uh a man named alonzo sanchez said that he could solve the problem free of charge if he could claim all the coal he recovered without having to pay any fees to the mine owners Uh, It was said that locals really began to understand what was happening when, in 1979, the mayor, John Coddington, who also owned a gas station in town, attempted to check the fuel levels of his underground tanks and found that the gas in the tank was 172 degrees Fahrenheit, or 77.8 Celsius. So it's starting to heat up the freaking gas station gas. I landed on lore a score of two. How about the danger levels here? Did did a lot of people die? Once again, I'm going based on the actual danger levels and not the fact that people have died. So it's, it turns it looks like nobody's really died from anything because I guess we're 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 on we're um on top of things and we're telling people, hey, there's a fire, get out. Uh, but I mean, we this is based off what we know. What about the fact that these fires have been going on since? Basically forever. The other fires, right? Like the ones mm-hmm. in, in... Yeah, the one in Turkey. Yeah, 2,500 years. And then there's the so, one in Australia. That could be 500,000-year-old fire. What? Yeah, um, I'm sure in that time, somebody must have died in there. Maybe when it first started. <laughs> this is like, like uh, the Iceman's Curse, where like... <laughs> People that were involved, like, died in car crashes later on. <laughs> some, died, some dude died of old age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, he passed by the fire once, yep. so... <laughs> Got a whiff of it. So I'm sure... I'm sure there was some some death caused by these things. But the danger's still there. The danger's very real. I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while I couldn't find any evidence of anyone whose death was attributed to the fire, it's... It, it's a dangerous place. So there's a sign outside of town that reads, Warning! Danger! Underground mine fire! Walking or driving in this area could result in serious injury or death. Dangerous gases are present. Ground is prone to sudden collapse. Yikes! Like, if you see that sign, I'm not going into town. Yeah. So there's also a story from 1981 of then 12-year-old Todd Domboski, who fell into a sinkhole that appeared beneath him in a backyard. And this wasn't an ordinary sinkhole. This was as if he was, you know, teleported 
into a Hellraiser movie because he, as he clung on to the root of a tree until his cousin, his 14-year-old cousin, I believe, pulled him up, hot steam billowed out of the hole containing lethal levels of carbon, carbon monoxide. So it's like he's just being like pulled down to hell. Um, and then he just went on with his life. He survived the hell hole sink, hell sinkhole. So for danger, though, I, I just gave it a two because there isn't too much contributed to it here. Enough danger that, you know, gotta vacate the whole damn town. Mm-hmm. How about finally the impact on pop culture? The real life scenario is not as glamorous as what the pop culture stuff has done. So we have Dean Koontz apparently has taken inspiration from this. The author? The author, yes. <laughs> His Strange Highways book, apparently. I don't think I've read that one. It's tw- short stories. Wait, was that the same dude? Anyway, I don't like Dean Koontz, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You read one book and you said, no more. <laughs> I've read his work. <laughs> that one book I read and I was like, this is trash. I hate this. Yeah. So another book written uh, by David Wellington called Vampire Zero. Apparently they use this as manifestations of hell. So I guess I, I guess they did use hell for something. Mentioned Silent Hill. There's a lot of documentaries on it. Apparently a movie, Nothing But Trouble, starring Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd and Demi Moore and Tupac. Oh, yeah. It's based on this, but I've, I've the seen first the movie. movie. I've seen the movie. I don't remember the fire thing being prominent. I do remember there was a roller coaster that led into hell, but it's a weird movie. You should watch it anyway. It's weird because in my head, I would feel like something like this should be more... Should affect pop culture more, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's an, an, a neat concept to play with. It doesn't seem to really play into a lot of things. People kind of associate fire underground with hell anyway, so I don't know. Uh, I give it a two. You, you mentioned Silent Hill. The thing that just caught my eye from the director, Christoph Gaines, that he said Centralia was used as our reference to create a third dimension reality. And they even used Centralia as an alternate title, so people didn't know what they were filming in the area that they're filming at. So I just love that they used that and not, you know, the game it was based off as a reference for their uh, third dimension reality. But <laughs> I just thought it was funny. So, and there's been several documentaries and books on about it. But yeah, like I said, it hasn't impacted exceedingly much, which is surprised to me because it's, it's a, a I would think a cool concept that you could use in storytelling and, and things like that. But so I landed on a impact of pop culture 2.5. Neato. Okay. So what did you add up to for your score on the eternal fire of Centralia? I have a 13.98. And I have a 14.178. <laughs> that puts us at a score of 14.078. <laughs> not bad not bad at all Centralia eternal coal mine fire you've just been cracked oh now you're gonna make a crack noise <laughs> you tilted your head like that no no more cracking noises because I'll tell you why there's no more cracking noises because the mighty kingdom of twitter has fallen I mean, it's still around, but it's in it's in ruins. It's crumbling. We've we're seeking respite on 
a lands of yonder known as Threads. That's right, folks. You can find us on the newly released, well, not so new anymore, Threads app related to uh, 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 Instagram meta. We are on Instagram at Cracking Cryptids. And you can find us on Threads as Cracking Cryptids. That's right. We have the same name. Isn't that great? We're still on Twitter with at Cracking Curios. But it doesn't matter because we're on Threads. Threads is where you want to be right now. It's the place that keeps you warm and fuzzy. And it's actually where we've been the most active yet. Mostly talking about how we're recording right now. I assure you, we will have even more content coming your way. So go ahead, follow us on Instagram, follow us on threads, follow us on, on, the, on the blue site. If you hate following, go ahead and shoot us an electronic mail. Our email address is crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. There's a subject line that you can put things like, <laughs> we love your podcast, or hey, talk about this thing, or this cryptid. If you have any criticisms, go ahead and just write out the email and then hit delete, because we don't care what you think. <laughs> I mean, of course we care. We're just not going to uh, do anything different. As for it sounds our like podcast. a goal. You're going to double down. <laughs> As for our, our podcast, you're obviously listening to us. But if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and uh, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite, um, whatever you're listening to us on right now. Because that way you can get all of our newest episodes the moment they're released. Isn't that amazing what technology can do for us? Except put out coal fires. Except put out coal fires. In fact, I think I think with the amount of computers needed to mine for bitcoins and all that, you can start a new fire. A brand new fire. I remember reading <laughs> <What's that? laughs> I remember reading a story about a guy who, who had a setup in his room to, to do mining, Bitcoin mining. And Did he pass was, out from the heat? It, was so, it would get so hot that he passed out from the heat. Jesus. <laughs> and then he's like, I think it happened like twice before he said, I don't think this is good for me. God. Uh, I I'm, I'm have to, to, uh, have to channel my favorite cartoon character in existence, you know, after Sonic the Hedgehog of, of Pinky. And and I just I, I ask you, Angel, gee, Angel, what are we gonna do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Matt. We'll forget about whatever we've recorded <laughs> and start anew next week. That's it. That's all folks. <laughs>
this has been and I am actually traveling back into time production. I tried I tried to play some 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 Migos the other day and somebody just laughed at me said, "Get out of here boomer." And I'm like, "I'm not a boomer. I'm not a boomer." 